When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, White Sox fans. It's Crystal O'Keefe with episode 19 of Visiting Dugout, brought to you by the Southside Sox, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Today on the show, I have my great friend, even after this loss today, Rogelio Castillo, who covers all things tigers. So, hey, introduce yourself because you do so many things <laughs> with this team. Well, uh, first and foremost, thank you for having me on. Um, so, I write the tigers for um fan-sided and i also co-own a website with uh, my, my my buddy chris brown tiger miley report and uh yeah basically anything um tigers related that i try to cover in in, in al central as a whole i'm getting more getting more outside of the tigers a little bit so it's been nice to kind of break up break it up a little bit yeah of course so your Tigers are sitting comfortably in seconds. This is a terrible division, but they have a chance to to win this division. So where are you at with this team? Like, are you feeling good, bad, don't know what to think? I, I really am kind of been pleasantly surprised in a way because going down the spring training, they the Tigers, AJ Hinch had a mindset that this team was going to be better and was a completely different since day one, it's been a different mindset altogether. Whereas last year, towards the end of the year, it was just, it was like someone, it was like a funeral sometimes after the games because it was a lot of things just on paper didn't make any sense. These guys were not hitting power numbers. And then the whole fall after Avila. But this year, it's been a pleasant surprise. Like guys like Zach McKinstry, who Cubs fans should be familiar with, did, again, if you would have told me he would be this, excellent leadoff hitter hitting with power. I just thought you were nuts because again, we don't, this is why spring training numbers don't matter. He bad. Didn't have any power. Didn't really do much with the Cubs anyways. And he's going out there and being such an effective hitter. And the Tigers take advantage of this really bad division. I mean, I, I came away. I thought that the White Sox this year coming into the series, I, I knew the bullpen was going to be some issues, but it's just, man, I, some of the lack of effort too, just today, especially today, I'm sure that was making you mad, but for, as a Tigers fan, I was actually looking forward to this series because, you know, Chicago's in a very strange place right now. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's not really a super pleasant place to be. (laughs) So during this game, you tweeted out how the White Sox thought they were pitching to last year's Akil Badu. So how has he changed aside from the obvious? Like he can hit off Dylan Cease now, but what I did you notice like a change in mechanics or just anything else? Yeah, so it started with him down in Toledo because he did make the team out of spring training. And one of the things that he was working on offensively was trying to get his bat quicker to the zone. And it made small changes to his swing, but it was his approach to the plate. He's always been patient, but He's not, I think, a little more patient this year. But also, in terms of outfield strength, 
He's been getting better about his off-field range, but it has been – the ball – exit velocity has actually been higher. And so when he got called up from Toledo, the, the kind of – some of the questions by fans were when they looked at the box scores were like, well, is, is he going to – is, is he really doing anything? And the answer was yes. I mean, he was hitting above the average velocity you would see in, in the International League. So um, I, I think Akil Badu is a good, great story because he was kind of lost at the plate last year. And the Tigers, he kept his patience. The Tigers worked with him in the offseason with several other players too, and it paid off today. That was that was a big backbreaker today against Steese, who Steese has loved Tigers hitters, and so it was, it was good to see. Yeah, he was the Tiger tamer for the longest time, but he was just way off today. Um, so you do mention you cover the minor league a lot with Chris, who was just on the show because I – message both of you because I just adore both of you so what what like is there anyone that we should really be on the lookout for that could be coming up into your system soon well I don't know what Chris said but I will tell you it is uh Colt Keith Colt Keith and Colt Keith um no but uh outside of that Trey Cruz has been coming into his own this year a little bit and this was a guy who struggled when he got the double a last year but he's moved out to the outfield and tradition of his father who played for the Blue Jays and the Rays as well. But and his grandfather played for Houston. So outfield is a, a nice adjustment for him. Uh pitching wise, it's been kind of eh because it seems like there's some regression with guys like Wilmer Flores and Tyler Madden. But the system, as far as infield talent, outfield talent goes, um, it's come a long way. It's not exactly there yet. Like whereas the White Sox have Oscar Colas and some of these great Cuban players and the Tigers still, they finally started to get one with their own and Roberto Campos, who's at West Michigan right now. And he's off to a really good start at just 19 years old. So I'm hoping that the, the Tigers can start getting more of that international magic that I, I, that's why I've always with Chicago, I've always admired how they've done that with their, their ability to get international talent. Detroit has a long ways to go, but it's finally think, whatever God you believe in that it's coming to fruition. So with that, you know, with these good guys down in the minors and stuff, we are going to be approaching the trade deadline soon. So who is on the trading block for you, whether they're, you know, up in the majors now or someone that would, you know, bring back a nice return down in the minors. Well, I think that if the Tigers, it really depends on how the Tigers are competing because, I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez has that option. He got opt out this year, same thing with Javi Baez. But to me, I don't think trading Javi Baez is a good idea because the Tigers don't really have an alternative at short. And as much as Tiger fans give him crap for swinging at bad pitches and whatever else, Baez is still going to be a productive player no matter what. And he, and he showed that last year when he was healthy. But as far as – and from what I've heard, too, the Tigers are going to wait to the last possible minute to make any trades. Um, but Rudder would be that one. Um, in terms of prospect-wise, they have a, a very – they have a lot of shortstop prospects. So guys like Gage Workman, he could be moved for some more pitching help possibly. I'm not really 100% sure because his playing time has been reduced down in Erie. And it really depends on – what Detroit's long-term plans are going to be because he has, he's played third as well. So we shall see what they do with that, but um, they really need more pitching. Um, again, they haven't have too much pitching. Case in point, the reliever 
who's that reliever uh, that started when on Friday and went and just blanked out the Tigers? I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Oh, gosh, now you're. Yeah, that, yeah, it's 20, he's 29 years old, just made his. <gasps> oh, I'm so bad. Hold on. This is the magic of editing. I am just drawing the biggest blank. I am so embarrassed. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. No, it's fine. We can, we'll come back. We'll, we'll edit something in. <laughs> but yeah, he did. Um, he came in and was actually halfway decent. Oh yeah, that guy's slider was really good too. Yeah. Um, so with that, where do you see the Tigers sitting, you know, in July, but then again, perhaps in September? That's a good question because the, the schedule does not get any easier for the Tigers. They, I mean, they had a tough start to the season, but then they go into June. They now have the White Sox, they have the, excuse me, the Rangers starting tomorrow. And then they go to Chicago and they got Philly and Arizona and then minutes and then the Braves. So it doesn't get any easier. So I think if the Tigers can stay afloat or stay near 500 in June, I think come July, I think you'll see the, the Tigers continue to make movements because they've done a lot of minor league signings. They've done a little couple, they traded for a double A pitcher the other day from the Dodgers. They're still going to continue to churn out the internet, like in terms of uh, farm players, but I think if the Tigers are sitting around 500 or in contention in July, then I think it'll be a very, very good summer around here. And that Detroit's going to try to, I think they're going to try to go for the division title because Minnesota to me has not proven to me anything outside of that. Joe Ryan's gotten better and Carlos Correa's starting to slowly improve, but I don't know. It just seems like a wide open year in the uh, AL central. It is Jesse Schultons, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I had to go back to baseball savant, and I was like, I know his name, and this is so embarrassing. Um, so with that, do you have, you know, if you have to pick an MVP candidate today that's on this Tigers team right now, who are you selecting? I would probably select Riley Green. Uh, Riley Green has finally come into his own. Today he came up with a big catch of Jake Berger. Jake Berger gave him the tip of the cap. Uh, he had that triple that started things, and it got, he ended up scoring to tie the game. He has been exactly what the Tigers have lacked, which is a a draft prospect, a, a, a top 10 pick that's actually delivering. The Tigers have not really had that. And truth be told, it is with Spencer Torkelson, who's, he's getting there, but Riley Green, if, if this team doesn't have Riley Green, the Tigers are they're in the same kind of classification as the Royals right now. They're, it just wouldn't be exciting to watch. But Green has been the uh, was it the straw that stirs the drink, whatever cliche you want to use for it. He has been it, and it's been it's been fun to watch as, as a long suffering. Excuse me, I'm sorry. As a <laughs> as a fan of the Tigers, as a fan of the Tigers, it, it's. It makes me ecstatic, but as uh, you know, being a writer and you know how it is, Crystal. Sometimes that people believe that because you root for a team, you can't be objective. But we both know that's not the case. Green is just a great story for all sorts of reasons: developmental, 
and just just a great asset to a team that really needed a win on the prospect side. Yeah, I've definitely wrote some scathing reviews about players and games, so I completely get it. But yeah, he has been really fun, and I couldn't even be mad at that catch because that was just pure talent that he was showcasing. So I can't be mad. Uh, We're going to take just a very quick break to pay bills, and then we are going to talk about this upcoming series, the Deja Vu series. All right, and we are back. Uh, now, let's let's break down this upcoming series. So the Tigers just won the four-game series. How are you feeling going into this, and do you think that Tigers' success is sustainable? I coming in. They have a the Rangers are really good on the road too. They're like 19, they're nineteen and ten on the road. And they just beat Baltimore. And Baltimore is one of the best teams in the American League. And they have an offense, too, that they've scored. I think it's they've scored 11 or more runs almost five or six times. They've done it quite a bit. And the Rangers pitching staff might be a little thin, but they still have Martin Perez, who still gets the job done. John Gray. And this is you, you, you knew when they signed that contract for Jacob DeGrom that this was going to happen. It was going to be a breakdown, and it's happened, but they still roll on. This is a deep team, and I think if the Tigers can take the series and put, go over 500, because right now they're one game under 500, then I think that suits better, suits well heading into Chicago, come back to Chicago, where it's Tigers have actually kind of done better down there. But, um, no, if this is going to be a real true merit for them because Texas is so good. I just I, – I don't even – the Rangers, are, in terms of that division goes, the NL West is such a – like, you could talk about the AL East all day. Every team's over 500. There's really good offense. But the NL West – or, excuse me, the AL West with Texas, Seattle, and Houston has been a fun watch. I mean, yes, granted, are they beating up on Oakland? Sure. But uh, this will be a good challenge for the Tigers as far as the bats goes. And is this sustainable? It depends on the pitching because they are getting Tarek School back soon. School Bowl was very clutched down the stretch. And the million-dollar question is, can he come back to that same level? And if he can, that's where I think Detroit can really make a difference here in the second half of the season because the pitching depth outside of – even with Bo Brisky coming back too, Reese Olsen, who's down in AAA, he isn't ready to go. Wilmer Flores, Ty, Ty Madden, some of the arms that are down in, triple, in AA are not exactly ready to go either. So this is where the pitching depth will come in question. And so I don't think – even with Matt Manning coming back too, he's still on, and who knows when he's going to be back. I think they're talking about maybe early July for him, if he's going to be even an effective pitcher. So Troy has to, at some point, if they can sustain this with the pitching they have, then it bodes well. Because Chris Federer is done. I mean, Chris Federer is, there should be a statue of Chris Federer at Comerica Park. I've said this on the podcast, and I'll say this again. There should be, or even a statue of him in the city of Detroit, because what he's done with his pitching staff, like Katz has done with Chicago, is chef's kiss. <laughs> well, so I will look forward to that statue next time I'm up. Because <laughs> I do, I love coming up to Detroit. Detroit, I was just telling Chris, I love Comerica Park and it's, it's fun. I just enjoy the atmosphere. So what are your keys, you know, outside of pitching? Like, 
your keys and kind of your biggest threat on this team to once again take a series from the White Sox? I think the biggest key is to get to their starters early and work the counts because there's one thing about the White Sox is that if you get to their bullpen, it's over. I mean, I think they or the Tigers have a chance. And so um, I thought coming into the season that the White Sox bullpen would be somewhat a source of strength. And I was sadly mistaken because even, you know, you can throw Joe Kelly out there how many times, but if you see Joe Kelly so much, it's just going to be a matter of time before they adapted. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is to get ahead of one, or just like I mentioned, the getting ahead of the White Sox starters, one and two, taking guys like Tim Anderson out of there, Tim Anderson. I'm glad that Jose Abreu went to Houston. Let's just say that for reasons that are very selfish, but, um, Tim Anderson is still going to be Tim Anderson. And if you take Tim Anderson out of the offense too, right away, I mean, you, I, I think the Tigers can deal with Andrew Vaughn. Tim Anderson's a different story altogether because he's that much of a dangerous player. And so, neutralizing those two and get and like or excuse me, getting the bullpen, neutralizing Tim Anderson, and yes, if they stop Andrew Vaughn, that'd be great too. But I, honestly, it's just I'm not even worried about guys like Luis Robert. As much as I love Yohan Makata and Luis Robert Jr., I just I know, Crystal. I don't know what the frustration level is with those two right now in Chicago, <laughs> but um, as a Cuban American, I'm also frustrated for them. I feel bad for them because it sounds, it just looks like they're not having fun. You can tell yeah. me you're wrong, but they're very hot and cold. You know, they, Yuan started off really hot, looked really great. And then Luis Robert Jr. started off terrible, was benched to kind of humble himself, and then he was great. And now they're both just kind of hanging in there. Um, like they can either be really amazing in a game or they can just look completely lost at the plate. There's no gray area with those two. Especially, so I was just going to say the, the one of the things that I was interested in also to get your feedback on is that, well, the, t- the Tigers right now with Chris Illich being kind of like kind of quietly in the background with ownership, Jerry Reinsdorf has had himself a field day this year. Um, so I was kind of curious, I was kind of curious to ask you on your end as, as, a, as somebody from afar watching him say, quote, you know, I'm paraphrasing that being okay is all right and sustainable that, I mean, I'm sure he insulted the intelligence of every single baseball fan in Chicago. Yeah, he absolutely did. That is one of the worst quotes. And I, you know, I'm not paying to go see a mediocre team that they're like happy to be <laughs> mediocre. Like, oh, we went to the postseason, but immediately lost. But we went to the postseason, so you should be happy about that. You know, that's it is. It's it's offensive to the fans. It's offensive to, you know, these people that buy season tickets that are just going. And Jerry is okay, and Rick is okay with them just being completely mediocre and not going after anybody big. You know, it's always, well, we had a seat at the table for Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so, yeah, that front office, we are all kind of ready for, you know, heads on stakes at this point. I, yeah, because just for the sake of just – I think people don't give realize, like, to me, the Chicago, the Chicago baseball fans are much more – 
a lot more. I'm not trying to say anything about Tiger fans or anything, but White Sox fans, Cubs fans, both are so tuned in, and in terms of social media presence too, it's amazing. You guys have all this great you know, tournament with personalities and all this stuff. It's so cool to me. But I'm not trying to twist around your show about it. It's just I've always been a fan of how White Sox fans have said, "Look, we're not just we're not venting because we're mad." Oh, this team sucks. And then you say that there's facts and, and the way they approach intelligent, even the way you guys approach Steve Stone, who <laughs> the guy could, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, he's very, he has a love hate relationship with the Chicago fans coming into the, that series down a guaranteed rate field. I just think I'm, I'm actually thinking about going down there because last time I went, it was, the White Sox fans are just so passionate about the team. And, and it's just to see that kind of Detroit taking the uh, wind out of their sails a little bit. I mean, yes. Does it satisfy me a little bit as a fan? Sure. But I don't know. You guys deserve better. Yeah. We don't have a lot of people in our corner anymore. I think Steve Stone has <laughs> half of White Sox Twitter blocked and the other half just, you know, I tweeted that I think yesterday I was like, quit saying that Jake Berger is a great runner for being a bigger guy. He is third on our team for like his sprinting alone. Like you don't have to add the bigger guy in. You could just say Jake Berger is fast. So that's why he got there and beat out that throw. You know, So he's just, it, we're ready for him to retire. Oh, he's just everything. It's just crazy. Um, so we'll head out of this, we'll head out of the series and talk about you know just general thoughts on this season. Um, I always like to find out who people think might go all the way, who might be the biggest underdog, and what has really surprised you so far in the season. I think the biggest surprise has been outside of what I mentioned with Zach Pensry has been the the quietness and effectiveness of Aurelio Rodriguez because a lot of Tiger fans heading the season thought that don't, some thought that they didn't really take his personal problems. And I've, I've heard people on talk shows like, Oh, he, he took a powder, not realizing that his family is priority. Family is everything. And he's come out there and has been exactly what Detroit needed and why they signed him for. And that's been a surprise the emergence really, I think another big surprise has been Will Vest because watching him against down in Toledo after spring training when he was in 91, 92 and getting shelled. Today, I, I obviously, today he didn't have a good outing, but he was, he's been much more effective. Um, the Tigers have been giving some on him and guys like Chase Shreve, these arms that are, were kind of, you know, scrap, scrap yard specials, if you will. Uh, that again, that's just shows about Chris Fetter and the pro the, the I don't want to say the, the 76ers process, if you will, but it there is certain ways they're max weaponizing these arms, and so that's been a big surprise to me. And I think the biggest underdog part of it all is AJ Hinch. Since day one, he's been a calm, cool, collected presence in, in the clubhouse. When he's down there, and like when we have to ask him questions that are you know the cliche questions, and we'll just kind of give us, kind of give us a look like well and then but he's he's been more impatient with everything and um even the way that things were handled with austin meadows and hopefully those things are hopefully austin meadows is in a better place mentally i think detroit's handled that very well very classy 
And um, despite the fans sometimes saying really garbage things that are cruel and crass, which I'll never understand. We we get that a lot with Michael Kopech. I cringe every single time he gives up a run and someone says he is a head case. I'm like, that is not the language that we use for anyone dealing with anxiety, depression, any kind of mental illness. We do not call people head cases for giving up a single run when this kid, I don't think, has played a complete season as a starting pitcher. Um, so, yeah, we, we've, we've dealt with that a lot. But I agree. They did a great thing with Austin Meadows. I unapologetically love Austin because, um, you know, I've – Again, I've been watching him back in his minor league days down in, you know, AAA Indy. So he's a lot of fun. Yeah, and the Indians are off to a really good start too, but by the way, it's, they are – the Pirates, I don't know what the, – even Altoona too, but the uh, in, Indianapolis Indians, I know we've talked about our love for AAA baseball, so mm-hmm. it's to see the Indians off to a good start. They are, yeah. I've only been able to go to one game so far – um, but I had to go because it was Vince Velasquez facing off against Kyle Hendricks. And I was like, you don't see two major league starting pitchers both facing off at a, a rehab stance the same night. So I was like, if I can see both of these pitchers and I can spend under $40 on tickets, you have to, you have to do it. So oh, I, yeah. I got to see both of them. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Hendricks has been, uh, yeah, for Iowa, it's been pretty. It was pretty effective too against Toledo. So, yeah, it was it was a good game, and I've just been watching them kind of on the sideline. But hopefully, we can actually go to a lot more games this season because I just love AAA ball. It's so much fun, and you get to watch all these players. I mean, we watch, We would always go when the Knights were in town, so we've seen like the likes of Giolito, Kopech. Mancata, like we've seen all of them in their triple A days, um, or even just rehabbing. So it's a good deal. You guys should all go to more minor league games. I'm actually gonna go down to Indy for three game. My buddy lives down there and I plan on checking that out. Um, probably I think by the adult uh, August. And so thanks to Tiger Minor League Report fans, uh, we had a we had a fan of ours who started a Patreon for us to give us gas money to travel and everything. And I'm so grateful that we have a core of fans that are just like, Hey, um, cause we have people on our Patreon or um, we have a Patreon too. But in addition to that, we have a discord channel where tiger fans just chill. It's a, it's a version of Twitter without all the lame BS that comes with it. Um, just people talking baseball and everything. So, but yeah, that's one of the things about the minor leagues is that, be able to go out to Erie, going out to West Michigan, and then going out to Lakeland too. It's it's such a it's a, such a great experience, it really is. Well, you'll have to tell me when you are in town, and I will come out and join you. Awesome. Just like Detroit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yes. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I just want to give you the opportunity to plug your socials and remind people what you do and where they can find you because you are a very quality follow. We always have so much fun back and forth. Well, thank you. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at RajCastBaseball. And I have quite a bit of White Sox fans that I interact with anyways because based um, off you being on our podcast and um, just, again, talk. I just love talking baseball. 
Um, so you can find me on there. You can find me at uh, TigersMLReport.com. Our YouTube channel, Tigers Minor League Report. Subscribe there. We do a show every Sunday at 9.30, recapping the week before. And Motor City Metrics, which is a um, – we were under Woodward Tigers, but we moved to – we started our own thing. Um, follow there, MCM Metrics Baseball, I think. Not 100% about that. But, or subscribe to our channel on YouTube, Motor City Metrics Baseball. And both our channels are over a thousand people. So again, thank you for people who have come out. And, and Crystal, thank you again for letting me talk some White Sox too. Because I, again, I could talk baseball all day. <laughs> you know, in terms of we, we've talked about music before as well. But it's it's nice to it's not, not it's nice not to host and produce. You know, like to be a guest. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's a nice uh, change of pace. <laughs> Yes, this has been, I love this podcast, but it has definitely been an undertaking when I'm, you know, doing this all season, but it's fun. I, I love it, but I, I get, I get where you're coming from. All right. Well, again, please go follow my dearest friend, go to some minor league games um, and yeah, go follow him because I'm sure there will be more Crystal and maybe even Janice appearances on different podcasts. So Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again so much and best of luck. You too, Crystal. Thank you so much. Yep.